All right, welcome back. Yes, we're going to kick off the conversation immediately. I'm joined now from Abuja by Dr. Sam Amadi, um, a lawyer and a consistent um, vocalist when it comes to Nigerian issues. Thanks a lot for joining us today, sir. Um, going straight into it, um, 21 years since uh, democracy in Nigeria. Um, a two-part question. First of all, how are we doing with regards to human rights um, since democracy returned? And of course, looking back at the way the military handled things. And secondly, if there's an improvement, are we where you think we should be at this point? Well, thank you very much. I think uh, first question, how we are doing with human rights, I think is uh, half cup, half, half empty, half full. Uh, I would like to say maybe half full. Um, first, we now have an institutionalized human rights framework. The National Human Rights Commission is now a national human rights. In the earlier days of the civil liberties organization, uh, human rights was not a national concern in terms of institutionalized government focus. We had uh, NGOs like the CLO and others doing it as against government. But today, uh, based on uh, existing international protocol and best practices across the world, Nigeria government uh, so, uh, you know, incorporated the National Human Rights Commission as the nation's own human rights watchdog. So in a sense, you can say some institutional uh, support for human rights. Again, we've seen also an um, increasing number of uh, human rights, diversification in human rights. We've, we've seen gender right-based organizations. We've seen those who veer into public policy, like some of us did. I've seen those who are doing development. So you can see greater diversification in the institutional framework for dealing with human rights. But, but if you look at human rights, in terms of observation, in observance, in terms of experience, what people have benefited, in terms of respect for these rights, I think you've not done very well. Today, we're talking about the rape being like more like a pandemic, uh, and uh, we, we, many states have refused to, to enact laws like the Child Rights Act, uh, violence against women, and several other women equality rights laws. Uh, almost Most of the states have not done so. So essentially, we've not done well on that area. Look at issues around freedom of press, which... Um, the Nigerian press has been very, very historic in terms of fighting for dem democracy and human rights. Even under the military, we were, it was such a great time for the press. Today, we see the press coming under greater and greater you know, onslaught, especially uh, bloggers and social media activists. We've seen people being arrested and, and on usual resort to terrorism charges against uh, indecent or uh, or inconvenient speech. So we, we've not done much in terms of really expanding the realization and the, and the enjoyment of these essential rights. We've done well in terms of the growth of uh, human rights advocacy, like I said, moved from a single, the political rights and the civic rights focus to um, now economic rights, to, to poverty issues, equality, uh, underrepresentation, gender, and so on. So it's a thriving uh, uh, sector. But in terms of government respect, for human rights in terms of the institutions like the police actually playing by the rule of fair policing, rules against impunity. In, in, in the context of even the courts themselves, judiciary, enforcing these rights, we've not done very, very well. We've I'm seen very, that our um, sorry, processes doctor. are still bad. Uh, we've not been able to... Yeah. We've not sorry been able to, to cut you up there, because I'm very, very... I'm very... Very... for dealing with Bell, yeah. Yeah. Sorry to cut you there. I'm very, very particular about the, the issue of journalism and, you know, the press, which you've talked about there. Nigeria continues to rank very poorly with regards to freedom of speech, uh, or press freedom, I beg your pardon. And um, 21 years down the line, I mean, we've had cases in the past where journalists were blown up in their homes, uh, media organizations were shut down. 
it looked like, you know, with democracy and the military gone, things like this would be a thing of the past. But like you've said, we still have this happening today where media personalities get missing. You know, journalists just disappear into thin air or get arrested for certain stories they publish. Why are we still there today? Well, I think partly because uh, we got into democracy without internalizing the values. I mean, it could be, we can call our democracy rushed democracy. I, I was a counselor with Chief Gadafawemi when we started the National Conscience Party, which was actually myself, Chief Gadafawemi, and Professor Skiamo. And the idea was to force the military to, to, to allow for partisan politics. And of course, by 1999, when Obasanjo became president, it's also symbolic that the first Nigerian civilian president after a long period of military rule was a former general. And so there are some argument that perhaps we got the shell without the, 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 the real thing, you know, in terms of you know, civilian values of democracy. So we left the value, actually. We have built around consolidation. Today, Nigeria is rated as one of the countries that have entered into the stage of consolidation, when we have handed power from one civilian regime to the government to another. But we've not really internalized these values. Again, if you look at, take for example, the press freedom. In the States, there's so much oppression of, bare-naked oppression of, of media. People have been arrested, and you know, the DSS that's supposed to deal with terrorism is not dealing with considering free speech as the main threat to national development and national security. So I think that's a degeneration in terms of uh, both the quality of the institutions and their response. And of course, this all relates to the failure to internalize the values of democracy, even as we adopted the electoral process of democracy, the institutions, the National Assembly, all the framework, but the values that define them, even in terms of independence of the, these institutions, they don't have, we don't have them. So, so press freedom becomes, we run more like a prebender politics. We are client, patron client. You know, the politicians have hijacked the system, and those who are in opposition are now being, you know, they become victim of state terror. So primarily, it's a failure of institution, it's the absence of the, effective absence of the values of democracy, and then ability to internalize and entrench this value. Again, poverty has also helped to uh, d destroy the capacity of people to resist. Right. So you see a pocket of resistance from maybe some civic groups, bloggers, and middle class people, but the, the most of the Nigerian population uh, as against under military rule when we had mass-based movement. We could we could have protests yeah. for like weeks and people suits are filled up. Today, of, people are consumed with the question of poverty. So we, the government, the leaders have weaponized poverty and therefore has created little opposition and so it's easier to target and isolate few of those people who you can call the chattering class. All right, so all right, the, Dr. Samamadi. The, let me, let me, to, let me. the failure to socialize these values. Thank you. From one doctor to another, we're joined now by Dr. J. Joe Keodumaki, of course, who's a human rights activist. And um, just leading off from what uh, Dr. Samamadi has said, there is something I wanted to talk about, which is the issue of protest, you know, and speaking up as Nigerians. So there's a constant accusation that this generation seems to be just filled up with keypad warriors, people who don't who can't stand up or take to the streets you know, and, and fight for their rights. Is this, is this as a result of the fact that what uh, Dr. Samamadi has said, that poverty has been weaponized? and we are made um, incapacitated by government, or are we lazy, or has government found a way of just stifling protest these days? Well, uh, flowing from what uh, Dr. Samamadi said, my good uh, friend, there's a relative law followed by abject poverty, where our country has become the headquarters of poverty. But one thing we should also understand that during the military dictatorship, we had 
one common enemy where people galvanized. But now, some are into politics, people are into different uh, fields you know, of uh, endeavor. Uh, but uh, more importantly, government must ensure that that ambience of uh, peaceful protest is allowed. And uh, it's allowed because you see that at times people want to come out. In, in those days, we, uh, in several years, we practice the uh, pseudo democracy, then from pseudo democracy, flow to dictatorship, uh, several years of agitation rather than enjoying democracy. So now, although we still have uh, people are not completely cowed, we still have people who engage in protests, but I think that a lot more needs to be done. Uh, now we have come to the time that people should uh, organize less and organize more. And also in doing that, the government should also have enough political will. The security agencies should be more tolerant and allow people, a lot of people want to come out, they are scarce But we still have people who have been emboldened and uh, we cannot allow the opportunity to continue to thrive if we do not act. Poverty has been used as a strong uh, weapon uh, in uh, making people not, you know, not to see that uh, in terms of protest, it's, it's not like a hundred meters race. It's going to keep gathering momentum. I mean, if you think about military dictatorship, then that when we have protests, it's not it's not the time that you're taking survey or help bullets and uh, maiming and killings. So now we have uh, democracy. So I just uh, want to appeal, you know, to our young ones and others that if, I mean, the transfer now says that every onlooker is either a coward or a traitor. So we cannot continue to be onlookers. We must ensure that when things go bad, we, we speak up because uh, our lives begin to end. The day becomes silent about things that matter. That's also... Is, is it is it possible that it's time to start rethinking, you know, the way we get across our message to government? There are many people who believe that, you know, protests don't yield any results. I think for a lot of people, the last time we got anything out of a protest might have been maybe the enough is enough protest, which is over 10 years ago. Most people don't think that we protest. I mean, we get shot at and everybody goes back home and government still does what they need to do. I mean, technology is available. Now, are there ways we should start rethinking how we get across the government with our issues? I think that uh, the age of social media and internet has, uh, has uh, enabled, when people go out on protest, there's crackdown. But with social media, with internet, uh, people can use other means in reaching out, in carrying out protests, writing uh, petitions, and galvanizing uh, people for change, going to the National Assembly, lobbying. Uh, various forms that uh, can be used. We, uh, we saw what happened then, uh, during military dictatorship and even uh, June 12. Uh, people were so persistent. So the age of uh, social media, I, I, I believe that uh, one thing is, uh, is certain, that uh, you know, when we talk about power, is we, we have to demand you know, for something before we get it. And it's not on a platter of good. Uh, so we must, there must be that uh, ambience, you know, the security. There must be a level playing ground 
uh, our people, non-violence pays at all time. So I think that the social media can be used as a form of campaign in order to, uh, you know, in order to fill the gap in the physical protest that we have. Not to even talk about the the era of uh, COVID-19 coronavirus where uh, gathering and all other things impossible, we, yes. endanger, we okay. endanger other people's lives. Okay. Let me just uh, go back to Dr. Sam Amadina and just wrap it up. I don't know. Are you... Dr. Sam, are you, are you positive? Are you feeling hopeful with the future, with our human rights record currently and where we're headed? Well, uh, in terms of records, we, are, we don't have a good record, but in terms of uh, the consciousness that we are seeing, for example, we've seen uh, the National Human Rights Commission also coming up during this COVID, reporting very well on violations of rights and willing to, to take action. So those kind of institutional response gives hope. Again, Technology has helped a lot, like she said. We, we, we know that uh, naming and shaming is easier, and that's critical for government. No matter how brutal governments are, they, they, like to, they, they don't like to, feel to, to, be, to, to be painted bad. So you have to, if you paint the ugly very dark, it makes them feel frightened. So using social media, using information to, to, to change narrative, and of course incentivize good behavior on part of government is helpful. So digital tools enable us to do more with little. Uh, well, the issue about protest, physical protest is very important because some um, violations require paralyzing the states in a way that it can really be forced to take decisions. Look at what's going on in the U.S. So the, in spite of uh, it's been largely peaceful, but because it has lasted too, too long and it has physical, the optics is very good. So people in public policy are now quickly changing their, their, their policies to suit the outcome desired by the people. But if it was only about social media, blogging and uh, tweeting, I, I doubt if... So at a point, you need to marry two together. And I have hope that with the level of consciousness, with the organizing capacity and with how technology and science has helped us to organize, to do more with less, with Zoom and all these digital platforms, we can organize easier. We don't need to have billions to get people together. We can create narratives. And with, with the growth of literature, growth of media, uh, narratives in terms of social issues, social journalism. I think we have hope that maybe we can internalize incentives for those in power to really do good. But look, the driver of human rights governance are persons who have human rights credential and who understand the importance of human rights to development. We just hope that our people can elect persons who have those credentials so that they will be naturally attuned to the values and the need for human rights. That's hope, but the records are dismal. That's the point. Let me find out what now from uh, uh, Joe Dumaki. Um Same question I asked, but you, we've talked about poverty and the economics and, of course, politics now. Uh, good governance is tied to poverty and, you know, a better economy. And as long as people are poor, you, you both seem to agree that people cannot necessarily come out and speak for themselves. How do we get out of this cycle? I think there must be a change of mindset, determination, and uh, with great zeal and passion, with all those things put in place. Because where determination exists, failure can never dismantle the flag of success. So with determination, with all the things, I mean, the devilers as a nation, poverty and the rest, but if people make up their mind, I'm an incurable optimist. I'm so optimistic that if people decide to put all these ills aside, and brace up, they are hopeful, and they see that it's not only today, but the future. I, I'm, I'm sure that we'll, we'll get to that place where, and I keep 
uh, I continuously make reference, you know, to June 12. So our people must never give up. If they learn to embrace, you know, the spirit of June 12 in our daily conduct, it will really impart on our democracy and they will be able to brace up and speak against the ills in our society. Thank you very much, uh, Joe Keodumakin and Dr. Sam Amadi. We'll continue this conversation in the coming years. Hopefully, um, all of those rankings where we see Nigeria doing really terribly will continue to improve in the ladder. Thanks for joining us. We'll take a break now and be right back. Please don't go away.